Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Whatever Wando. I am your host, Wando, and this week we are dealing with a Chicago what if. One that I sadly lived through, I remember distinctly where I was, and that's what if Derrick Rose didn't tear his ACL? How far could those teams have gone with a healthy Derrick Rose? If Derrick Rose is healthy, how does that affect the growth of Jimmy Butler and the player he became? And how would it have affected Joakim Noah, especially in his prime years? All right, let's get right into it. So this week's episode is a little bit different. So as you can see in the title, not only is this only our second What If episode, this is our first episode with a guest. So when I started this podcast, I reached out to my buddy at Pot of Fame with Jim Mylock. Go subscribe to him. Go follow him on Twitter, Instagram. Just did an episode about Barry Bonds this week, which is amazing. But I reached out to him. I was like, hey, how do you get people on a podcast? And he's like, just DM them or email them. You know, the worst they can do is say no. And so that's what I did. And when I made this podcast, one of the like topics I wanted to cover was what if Derrick Rose didn't get hurt? Those Bulls teams were so fun. I remember them like they were in college. Like they'd be on in the background where we were out. Like, you know, I'd be watching them while I'm studying and then I just remember the day he got hurt and like the air got knocked out of me. I just remember and I mentioned it with our with our guests that I kind of just like went online looking for anyone who could diagnose the injury. And I always wondered, hey, what could have happened if Derrick Rose stayed healthy? So I think I found the perfect person to do this podcast with. I will say very strong honorable mention to Matthew Magic, who originally was going to I was originally going to bring him in for this. He's a really good buddy of mine, but I thought of C. Red Fred. He's a podcaster. He's got three podcasts, Big Red Bus, Chicago Bullseye, and Bullsby. And I mentioned I heard him the most um, on my commutes because he used to call, he called in and probably still does to Waddle and Sylvia a lot. And I hear him and hear his Bulls takes. So I was curious to hear what his thoughts were on one of the you know, sadder moments in Bulls history. So I brought him on. First of all, he was super generous at this time. Like he had just had a very, like, you know, he had so many other things to do, but he still made time for me. It was pretty late at night. So I really have to thank Fred for helping me out. I really appreciate it. So his name is C Red Fred on Twitter. Uh, his name is at C B E Fred. Um, or if you type in C Red Fred into Twitter, he'll usually show up. But his actual Twitter name is at CBE Fred. Um, he's great follow, super nice dude, as you're going to hear. Um, but yeah, w- this episode is different. We don't really have any segments. We just kind of have a conversation, which takes us through and helps us answer the question: What would have happened if Derrick Rose didn't tear his ACL? So let's get to our conversation with Fred. <laughs> All right, everybody. So for the first time ever on Whatever, Wando, we have a guest. Uh, this is C. Red Fred. C. Red Fred, he, I first got to know him 
well, I didn't know him, but like, I felt like I knew him by listening to him as a caller on a wallet on Sylvie. Um, but he is a podcast. He's the, he has the podcast of the big red bus. He has a website, the Chicago bullseye. Do you have another, like, I felt like reading your Twitter bio, you have another podcast or am I wrong? Yeah, we just started the, uh, the bulls. Well, the bulls beat has been around a long time with, uh, Doug Tonus, the podfather, who's one of the few people I know who started a podcast earlier than I did. He's the only one I know. Um, and he started his, I think in 2006, we started the Chicago bullseye in 2007. And then we kind of joined forces with the big red bus. And now we're actually doing one more, which is the bulls beat feed his old show. But we've added Mark Hay from Australia, who people will seem to enjoy our banter with him. Uh, he's a good guy too. So all three of us are on one. So I'm actually doing really two regularly. Uh, the bullseye is um, a little bit more semi-regularly, uh, you know, semi uh, periodical now so I hope, hopefully i'll have that going out you know more often than not now the team's really good so it's all going good man just crazy busy i was gonna you know? say yeah like i've like with doing one podcast its own like usually i find enough stuff to, to do it but i'm like you know you know podcasting it seems easy like the concept like yeah you're just talking about stuff but then i don't think people realize the the amount of background work that goes into it Oh, totally true. Like you need to be prepared. You know that when I'm on Waddle and Sylvie, anytime I'm on that show, I always prepare before going on. Uh, that's why I think they take my calls and, you know, kind of put me ahead a little line because I don't have that much time to wait. So, you know, it seems like I always get caught. If I have something to say, I'll call up and I go, you know, probably waiting five, 10 minutes at the most because they know I'm going to come with something and try to make it as entertaining as possible. So I think that's just as important when you're doing it on the radio or you're doing a podcast. Be, prepared to have something to talk about you know talk about it beforehand which you're gonna you know have a chat about with your guest and try to make it as entertaining as possible yeah and you know like maybe i should do that next time i've only called into waddle and sylvie once and i was on hold for an hour and a half uh. <laughs> <laughs> well it's that's still understandable it's a popular show those guys are awesome man oh. they really are to um yeah not just those two but you know adam adala and, and chris black are, are, are pretty good guys and, uh, you know, so it's always fun to, to call up and talk to those guys. Yeah. And my even just brief interaction, like I called uh, after like the Minnesota miracle, like with like what sports moment, like related to that catch by Diggs. And it was like, it was a fun banter to do, but you kind of brought up time and I want to make sure I don't waste your time. And uh, so oddly enough, I kind of brought this up before we came on air is uh, the last, like two of my last three podcasts are about people who had terrible knee injuries. We did Carson Palmer. And then now we're going to do Derek Rue, Derek Rose. And like, what if he didn't get hurt? And this is also the same week that I happened to get knee surgery. Luckily it's not as mine's meniscus. So I'm going to be back on my feet in like three or four weeks. Um, but it's kind of, you know, I, I don't know if it's ironic or I'm punishing myself or I just want to, you know, open up old wounds, but what do you remember about like, this is what I kind of said. I remember the D Rose injury kind of like um it's, it's terrible i feel about this way like a national tragedy like i remember where i was like do you remember mm -hmm. anything like that the day it happened oh absolutely i was in uh yeah i was in my our, my home the, you know, our family home that we've had we've been in since 2006 and i remember it like it was yesterday watching the game just being very angry i was very angry at tibbs you know um i always felt you know those guys were playing too many minutes and there was, it was a week before this happened. I sent an email out to my friends. I, I got to find it sometime and I'll send it out to everybody. But basically the point I made in it was Tibbs is a fantastic coach. He's got great work ethic. He's an incredible person, but why he continues to 
play starters in games that, that have already been decided is maddening to me. It's so incredibly stupid. It's like playing Russian roulette. You know, the only way a guy, you know, you don't put your starters in, you don't keep them in, in a game that's already decided. It's just, it's just beyond dumb. Um, and, you know, he continues to do it. He's still doing it with the Knicks. I saw that. Yeah. He had a guy, he had, I can't recall what game it was. It was in the preseason and he, you know, returned one of his starters into the game in a preseason. And, and you know, like, what, what are you thinking? Uh, playing Jimmy Butler 48 minutes in a, in a preseason game. And, you know, I just thought, at least looking back, it's somewhat debatable, right? It was pretty close yeah. to, you know, being a, a no-brainer or not. It was still dub, a double-digit lead. And, uh you know, I always just often wonder, you know, why, oh, just, you know, what would have happened if he, if he would have taken him out, would, would he have gotten hurt? No, you know, it's not necessarily, it, it's just, it's something that happened. He, after you play a whole game like that, you're more likely to be fa- fatigued and it's more likely to hurt yourself. And that's exactly what happened. It's just, it makes me nauseous just thinking about it to this day. Yeah. I kind of feel like after this, we're both going to need like some like peptid or something, just like, <laughs> get this like luckily my work has told me we don't have work on Friday so I'm like all right I can stomach this down but yeah I was in my so like I was in my college dorm room but not my dorm room I was in my college apartment still remember shout out the Dodge Street and I'm sitting there and my roommates are both gone I'm sitting on my bed and I see it happen and instantly like literally like the breath is taken out of me and I start doing what I think a lot of people now do with injuries and I go to Twitter and I'm looking for any doctor who may know and can diagnose this correctly. I'm like, is it his ankle? Is it the knee? I go, did he blow it out? Could this be, could this be nothing? And like, you know, there's, there's all those guys who make tons of money now doing that where it's, uh, you know, they're like, oh, like someone will say Achilles, like for, I'm a Sox fan. Steve Stone is a big fan of like, anytime anyone gets hurt, he's like, oh, that looks like an Achilles. A guy could get hit in the arm and Steve Stone's going to say it's an Achilles injury. Um, But I remember just going through all those and trying to figure it out and just having like it just felt like downtown. So I went to school in Iowa and there's a ton of Illinois transplants out there. And when I went downtown later that night and just everyone, like we felt like we were mourning. Like we all knew something bad had happened and we just didn't know what to do about it. And I agree. Like we all have the same feel about tips. He kind of runs his players into the ground. That's kind of his thing. He luckily had a bunch of young players who weren't going to complain at that time. Um, and then, like you said, you know, with the knee, like, especially the ACL, like, is it, it's kind of like a freak injury. It isn't like sometimes, like, not to make this about myself, like with my, like, meniscus, it's like, that's years and years of, like, grinding. It happens. With, this AC, with these ACL tears, it's just, like, on a dime, it happens. So Yeah, yeah, you know, I've talked to a lot of doctors, a lot of people in, in the business, uh, you know, the health and wellness business about these type of injuries. And yeah, it's true. It can happen at any time, but you know, when you're fatigued at the end of a game that you played over 40 minutes, injuries are more likely. It's just a fact. Uh, when muscles get fatigued, it's more likely to be injured. And uh, that's why this whole movement to minimize minutes has happened, you know, started basically in San Antonio and in other locations. And finally, you know, the message got through to the league that you shouldn't be playing 40 plus minutes, especially as a center or a power forward. Uh, which he unfortunately did with our friend uh, Jakeem Noah. You know, it's just it's just bizarre that people continue to make excuses for it. You know, every year this guy's had 
Last year for the Knicks, the top two guys in total minutes, both on the Knicks. When he was in Minnesota, top two guys in total minutes, Wiggins and, and Towns. And it just it's bizarre that people continue to make excuses for it. And it's just so incredibly stupid. You know, I don't even know what to say anymore. You know, everybody says Tibbs being Tibbs, just Tibbs being a complete moron. I have noticed this year, for whatever reason, though, he has kind of adjusted it and he's brought his minutes down. So maybe somebody finally got to him. Uh, but, you know, the thing about him, he just treats every game like it's a game seven. And you can't. So you're playing, you're playing, yeah, you're playing these relatively meaningless games in December like it's a game seven. And, you know, that's why in 2013, if you look at the minutes that Jakeem Noah played in December of 2013, it's, it's an uh, abomination. He averaged over 40 minutes a game for the first three weeks of December. And then, you know, later that year in February, when he starts having knee problems and leg issues, everybody's like, ah, oh, that's bad luck. And I just want to say, you know, no, you morons. It's our stupid coach playing our, 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 you know, running our center into the ground in December. And it has effects over the course of the rest of the season. So it's just insane. You know, like nobody would be playing guys those minutes now. And if you look, this all happened within the past decade. So, you know, people at that time had realized it and he would just was really slow you know, to adopt, he still hasn't besides this year. It looks like he, he's taken issue with it this year. So. Yeah. And know. he like benched his starters and he did it only the other day, just because he was trying to like prove a point to them, like a college coach does like where he took yeah. out the starters for the entire fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, it's like, and Noah, you know, like with big guys, it's like knee injuries are, you know, for, it's just a history with big guys, knee injuries, foot injuries, they're common, you know, and so if you're giving him all those extra minutes, you're just adding on to it, especially the way Noah played the floor. He wasn't like some of these other centers who jogged back. Like Joakim always was running back on the other side. So you're just, you know, grinding it down. And yeah, at the end, he, he had nothing left. You know, so, so people always forget too. So Rose hurts his ankle at the end of game one, the Bulls win that game. Um, and you know, so this is still a first round series. This is, you know, the first seed, the bulls were the number one seed that year against the number eight team, which was the Sixers. They lose game two. Obviously there was a lot of, you know, I, I still was probably a complete shock and affect their performance in game two, but game three, they were winning that game in the third quarter, 45, 42. And Noah goes out with a severe leg injury. I mean, he tried to play through it, which was insane. Uh, you know, you'd have to be a complete moron not to realize this guy severely hurt his ankle yet. You know, Tibbs had him running out there. Like he was the, you know, tin man, he could barely walk. And so they end up losing that game 79, 74, and yeah, I really felt like if that didn't happen, the Bulls still would have won that series. Uh, series they ended up going six games. I think they would have won that series, but you know that injury basically ended it. And I think people forget, you know, like the Bulls. It's it's really a tragedy those teams. If you look at it from 2011 to 2018, LeBron James won eight straight Eastern Conference titles, and dur during those years, there's, there was really only one team. With the possible exception, you could also say the Pacers, but the, the Bulls were really the only legitimate, consistent threat to him. And, you know, for the first seven of those seasons, the Bulls, believe it or not, produced more wins than every uh, Eastern Conference team but the Heat. In the playoffs, they suffered an unprecedented five injuries, season-ending injuries during the playoffs to five different starters which is, as far as I can tell, never happened in the history of the league. Um, I, can't, I can't think. Yeah. Of, I can't think about the time. Like, 
the the last major time I saw that happen was like Golden State with two with Kevin Durant and uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Clay. Um, Clay Clay Thompson. Yeah. yeah. So the, the well, yeah, and they had they had exactly two serious injuries to key players in in one series. But the Bulls that happened to the Bulls when they lost Rose and Noah in 2012. Then Dang went out in 2013 against the Nets, if you recall, with his illness. Wasn't that like the where they messed up like the they messed yeah, up? The yeah, the spinal tap and all that stuff. Right. Um, I don't know why the Bulls get blamed for that. It was the hospital that screwed yeah. it up. But regardless, you know, the physician uh, who was uh, in Philadelphia, who or uh, excuse me, in Brooklyn, who was working on Dang, you know, had the – they, they might have been in New Jersey. I can't remember when they moved. It was probably still Brooklyn or uh, probably Brooklyn. Yeah, they, they, were, they were Brooklyn at that time. Yeah. So that happened in New York, et cetera. So Dang was out. He missed the rest of the playoffs. They somehow managed to get by the Nets, but they then lost to the Heat. Uh, and then Gasol, which everybody forgets, in 2015, and then Rondo in 2017. So all those injuries occurred with the Bulls either winning or tied in their playoff series, and all of them occurred in round one, with the exception of Gasol's injury. That occurred in the, in the conference semifinals with the Bulls up 2-1. So it, that's a basketball tragedy. I mean, it's just insane that what, that, that all happened. Uh, th- that was absolutely a title team. Um, especially I think the most underrated team out of those years was the 2014, 15 t- team where Butler took a jump. Gasol was absolutely fantastic. And you had three guys that were, you know, legit superstars, but, um, it was not meant to be, um, just a shame. Yeah. I literally, so I remember the Rondo one and then literally until you brought it up, I forgot about the Gasol one with that team about like, yeah. Cause literally they just had nothing to fill his presence. They're just, we had nothing else on the team. Well, Gasol was so good that year. People forget. Yeah. I mean, he made, he made the all-star team. He actually made all NBA. He was the second, uh, he was second team all NBA at, at the center position. He was a, a double, double machine. He was phenomenal that year. And in, in the series against Cleveland, the bulls won game one in quarter three Rose and, and Gasol were unstoppable on the pick and roll. They were just pick and pop, pick and roll, pick and pop, pick and roll. Absolutely destroyed a Cleveland. They had no answer to it. And then when he got hurt in game three, it would, that pretty much ended it. If you also recall, that was a game with, uh, you know, that jackass ref didn't take the uh, timeout oh, from David Blatt. And uh, that cost him that that game. So they actually went down. Actually, it was game was four, that, game four that, that that happened. Yeah, really? With the one when LeBron hit the shot? It literally broke. My brother, like, brought me those tickets. He's like, hey, man, like, wait, like, we were so psyched. And it was probably the most heartbroken I've ever been at a sporting event. Wow. Yeah, that was a that was a devastating uh, period for me too. I mean, just I really love that team. That that was a fifty win team, and they blew probably six or seven, eight to eight games that year against really crappy teams. It's a kind of a Tib trademark to uh, lose a couple games you should never lose. He's doing it with the Knicks this year, and um, yeah, that team was much better than I thought they were giving credit for. Um, but it just, again, not meant to be. And that was really the final straw. I mean, three alphas had some success in the playoffs, but, you know, no, very, very few people outside of me believed in them. Yeah. So now, you know, we've focused on, unfortunately, the sad reality of what happened. We're going to switch to an alternate reality that we somehow, you know, MCU alternate timeline. What would have happened if D Rose didn't get hurt? So let's say he goes up for that layup. He's fine. And Tim take, Tibbs takes him out of the game. And we're going to kind of, talk about a few things with that there's only this one quick side 
a side question I just want to ask you. When we got the first pick the year that we got Rose, uh, were you for sure Team Rose, or did you ever consider Michael Beasley? I was 100% behind Team Rose. I remember I saw him play, it was like during the middle of the season, uh, it was a Memphis game, and I, I didn't see him that play that much in Chicago. I was not really uh, tied into the Simeon and the high school basketball scene at that time. I was really, you know, just full knee deep into the Bulls, but, you know, I knew with the Bulls playing pretty poorly that they were going to probably get a high pick, and I started to pay attention to Derek and, you know, some of the talent, and I, I was just absolutely blown away with Rose the whole year. And at that time, before the, the NCAA tournament started, it was probably 50-50 in the city. This is something people don't remember. There were a ton of these idiot Heinrich fans that were just in love with Heinrich, and Heinrich had just fallen <laughs> from – Heinrich was a good player from 2005 to 2007 during the regular season in the playoffs of 2007, he was a travesty. If you go look at his numbers, they're a disgrace. And then that year, from that year forward, he never was remotely the same player from 2008 on 2008. The bulls had a terrible year, which allowed them to get in the lottery and to get Rose, uh, the 2007, eight year. That was Noah's first year when he was drafted. Yeah. Um, and, and that team ended up going in the lottery. Um, there was a huge contingent of Bulls fans that were like, we need Beasley. You know, we need, this is like the most underreported, inaccurate story. Cause I lived through that time. And, you know, my, at the time, my co-host Mark Lewenthal, the Chicago Bullseye, he, we worked together he'd come in the office. I still remember this conversation. I'm like, I can't even believe that people are even talking about Beasley. I heard a story about Beasley that he had a permanent marker and he autographed some, some, uh, you know, some like school officials car, a hundred or 200 times with it, with a, with a permanent marker. Oh, now yeah. what kind of, what kind of jackass does something like that? As soon as I heard that story, I was like, I am so out on this guy. I wasn't, and I never, you know, also to the league he played in, um, you know, the, it was the um, gosh, what's the Kansas league, the big 12, big 12. is the most overrated, you know, there's always overrated players coming out of Kansas in that league and in general. And, you know, I, I can't with the Oklahoma. I can't remember what, what school he went to. I don't know why I, I want to say Iowa State, but I don't think it was Iowa State. No, it wasn't Iowa State. I think it was Oklahoma State or it might have been uh, Kansas State. Or, it was Kansas State, I believe. But regardless, he was I, I was not impressed as impressed with him. So I was he definitely on Team Rose. State. Yeah, I was definitely on Team Rose. Uh, I loved him. And then when the, when the NCAA playoffs started and in uh memphis made him run to the finals well that's when definitely more people started saying oh all right rose is the guy to pick i'd say by the time the draft happened it was probably 70 30 in favor of rose but there was a large loud contingent who wanted beasley since we already had the great kirk heinrich and uh, luckily pax uh, ignored that crowd and took Derek. yeah i was like i will i will admit um, so I was in high school. Like I remember when we like the lottery happened the the day of like my high school commencement. Like we had a commencement and then we had a graduation. And someone literally just stood up during our commencement. Like one of the kids who goes, "We got the first pick in the draft." And then all of us like lost our minds. And their teachers are like, "We don't know what to do right now." And so I was a big like because I felt like Beasley was on TV more, or, like talked about more. I was like, Beasley sounds good, but I was not like. Either one, I was like, sure, give me either one. They'd be great. But then, like you said, 
when you saw him in the like as they moved on through March Madness, it clearly was okay. Derek's the pick. So, right. uh, just the athleticism and like, yeah, we needed a point guard. I was never really sold on Kirk Heinrich. He was, you know, who fell to us in the draft that year. And we, we just had to kind of be like, yeah, he's great. And we're all just like, if only Dwayne Wade fell, uh, just a few more, uh, spots. So in, so obviously we have the 2010, 2011 team. We get all the way to the conference finals, you know, D Rose is healthy. Um, and we lose, you know, four to one, all those games were close. I feel like that series, like when you look at it at the end is very much like, Oh, four, one, the heat must've killed them. Like, no, we were in a lot of those games, including, I remember game five. I thought for sure we're sending this to a game six. And then LeBron, I'm pretty sure made like three or four threes in a row that just broke my heart. I still remember what probably the hypest I've ever been was with me and my friends watching game one with Taj Gibson, just posterizing you know, Dwayne Wade. And I'm like, okay, this is the team that's going to do it and get over the hump. But then unfortunately, like we just came up short. Did you think we had a chance that year to get past them? To Like I definitely did. Oh, absolutely. I don't think anybody who watched game one should have zero doubts that the Bulls could have, you know, played and beaten the heat. They, they, they destroyed them in game one. The rest of the games in that series, I blame a lot of it on Tibbs. Um, he, he, for some reason, just didn't want to play Kyle Korver. And what would happen in Q4, he never, I don't think Korver hardly played in Q4. What would happen is they would double rows with uh, LeBron and Wade in the last five minutes because, you know, they're, they're conserving their energy to the last five minutes. And there was nobody there to punish that double. And the court, the court just became so constricted, especially in game five. I did a tape breakdown, breakdown somewhere. The Bulls had a really nice run with Ronnie Brewer and a couple other guys on the team. And, and they built like a 12 or 15 point lead that they somehow blew. Those guys should all came out of the game at one point when the, when the, the heat started going and he should have had Corver in there, uh, but he's always siding on defense and, and why Corver? Yeah. Well, Corver was, um, he was just a, a, a unique role player who just exponentially uh, spread the floor. I always said this about Rose if you put Rose on a football field and put a basket where the goalpost is, there is nobody in the world who could keep him from dribbling at the 50 to get to that basket. You have so much room. He's so fast. He will get around you and get to that basket. But if you put a basket, uh, you know, on a bowling lane, well, and you, and he's got it and suddenly it's a narrow lane. Well, there's a lot of guys that could probably stop him from getting to the basket. So Corver had a tendency of making the basketball court look like a football field. He changed every game into four on four. So therefore all these idiots who were saying, well, he wasn't playing great. Yeah, he wasn't playing great, but his mere presence on the court turned the game into a four on four and allowed Rose to thrive. You saw that in the Indiana series that year uh, in a couple of the exciting games where the defense was just collapsing and then he threw it out to Corver, Corver nailed the three, and then they had to come out and it opened up everything for Derek. Derek had no help in that series. Um, you know, the bulls were unique that they really had one guy who demanded a double team and rose and he had a lot of really exceptional role players, but what was so frustrating is the most important one in my opinion was Corver for offense because yeah. he did allow Rose to have that room and Rose talked about it at that time. You'll find a bunch of quotes about Rose 
first of all, talking about Ben Gordon, how he helped to stretch the floor for him. He was such a good shooter. And I remember all those quotes. He really makes, you know, opens up things for me. And then he left. He yeah. didn't have anybody for, for uh, you know, 2009-10. And then uh, Kyle Korver showed up and things really opened up for Derek again. And yeah. Derek played, and Korver played a lot in the Q4 in those years. But if you look at his minutes per game, Kyle Korver only averaged 22.6 minutes in 2012. I think he averaged 20 in 2000, um, 2011. And that's inexcusable. It's so incredibly stupid that he didn't play more. He was like eighth on the team in minutes, and he subsequently went to Atlanta and became an all-star as a shooting guard. That's all we talked about. We needed to find a shooting guard. Yep. We freaking had one on the roster. He just didn't play. You know, he had bums like uh, Keith he Bogans playing him. Yeah, it's so stupid. It's so maddeningly dumb in retrospect. But, you know, he liked uh, Keith Bogans' fake toughness, and, you know, he would flex a lot and act like he played good defense. The guy sucked. And, uh, you know, that's, again, Coach Tom. Everybody wants to genuflect at the, at the feet of Coach, but he made a lot of stupid moves, and that was one of them. I think when Keith Bogans is a man who benefited from the system he came from, making him look better than he ever was, because my memory is serving me correctly. Didn't he come from – he came from San Antonio, didn't he? Like, we signed him away from San Antonio. I might, think, I might be thinking of the completely wrong guy. Um, I, I do not recall where Keith Bogans so he, came from. So, he played on San Antonio the year before. And so, you know, that system, you know, pop, pop coached him up good. He thinks, yeah. And so he loved Keith Bogans because, yeah, he's a good defender. He wasn't a good defender and he couldn't shoot. I, when I was doing research to like remember, like for the team, like seeing who we lost and all that, literally, I was looking at a highlight of Kurt Thomas getting an offensive rebound. And during this, Keith Bogans gets three open looks from three. And that's not even like a catch and shoot, it's a catch I can dribble set my feet, look, and shoot, and he misses three of them in a row. And that's what he always did. I don't remember his time with us ever making a big shot. So in Kyle, he, was, Cook, yeah, he, yeah. he spreads the floor because then you can't double because even if he's having an off night, you know he could make it. You have to respect it. So you cannot send that man. And, yeah, then once again, that helps out Derek. And then if you want to bring a double, well, then there's a man wide open. So Well, Corver shot 49% in the year his last year in Utah before he joined from three. 49 yeah. freaking percent. Sir. He he comes to Chicago and immediately drops a massive eight percentage points to 41 mm. or 42. I can't recall. I think it was 41. Still very good. 41% from three is exceptional. And but it's not great. Why? Well, because the way Tibbs used him, he sat on the bench for every first quarter. He would enter in the second quarter. Anybody who's ever played basketball and shot a basketball knows how ridiculous that is. Is you know, to be an elite shooter and then you're going to sit down for 15 minutes of the first quarter in real time, like a half an hour yeah. and then enter the game in the middle of Q2. It's just so stupid and expect the guy to be hot. That's why uh, he shot Corver shot 49% in Utah before he goes to Chicago. He shoots 41, 41. Then he leaves and shoots 47 for Atlanta because those guys knew how to use them, Atlanta and Utah. And we didn't. Um, Keith Bogan shot. 40% from the field, 38% from three, and almost every three he took was wide freaking open. The guy sucked. Yeah. And he still started. It's insane. Now, luckily in 2011-12, they got rid of him. Um, you know, and and they went in with uh Hamilton, Rip yeah. Hamilton, who, you know, aging, but that was a good move, you know, to bring in a guy like him was clearly better. And I mean it's not that hard to to beat out uh you know Keith Bogans, but he was clearly better than Keith Bogans and you know, for whatever whatever reason, you know, at that time, Rip Hamilton was 33. 
still, he, I thought he had a couple good years left and, you know, he just hardly played consistently. Yeah. And that was like the big thing. Everyone says like, we just need, we all just said like, we just need a two guard. Just give us a two guard. Like we have, we have all the pieces here. We just need a shooting guard. And we were stoked. Like, you know, Rip Hamilton comes in we think he's the missing piece. And yeah, where he was, he definitely wasn't what he was in Detroit anymore. He was like putting up okay numbers. Like he was definitely, it's not like a situation, you know, like Derek was Batman. Like I wouldn't even consider that Rip wasn't his, he wasn't his Robin. He wasn't maybe, maybe on his best day, he was his Alfred. Like if we want to go the Batman, you know, analogy, but he sure. was, a, he was serviceable. He was much better than Keith Bogans. Um, and like, so like we lose in 2010, 2011, we bring the, basically the whole team back for the lead. It's the shortened year because of the like CBA issue. And it's kind of a sprint, but the, basically the only two people we lose is Keith Bogans and Kurt Thomas. And we bring in Rip Hamilton and Mike James. And both these teams are like very comparable. When you look at in 2010, we were 62 and 20. We were the second best defensive team and we were 20, 20th offensively, which is a typical Tibbs team, really good defensively, but the offensive schemes are piss poor. And then in 2011, uh, 2012, we were first in defense, 18th in offense. So a little bit of improvement, but it was still, especially when we got to the playoffs, like, okay, what is Derek going to do? Because Derek, you know, had to be a one-man show because, you know, Jimmy Butler had, uh, like, I'm trying to think if Jimmy Butler was, I'm trying to think, was Jimmy on the team in 2011? No, he wasn't he was on the not. team. He was drafted that summer. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, you know, Carlos Boozer, who's calling for and ones every 15 minutes, hopefully making, hopefully getting 14 and getting his spray can on his head. Uh, you had Noah who, um, Noah did what he did. He'd get, you know, he, he was a double-double, like usually, like he was always great, but there wasn't enough offensively. And then unfortunately we get to the injury. I honestly believe, I thought that was our best year to win the title because I don't think there was any one team that was, because we brought so much back was ready to go for that season. Um, Cause I, I looked up, I'm like, okay, if I'm making up this new scenario that we we've made for ourselves, which year do I think is our best chance to win the title? Because in 2012 it's heat versus thunder. Then it's Spurs, Miami, Spurs, Miami, again, golden States now good in 2015. I think the window would have been right here. I think if Derek Rose stays healthy, that we win the title in 2011, 2012. I think we had so much continuity stayed up because Miami was having the issue of how big the big three was and how much cap space they were. And they just had to keep on bringing guys off the street. Like, all right, Eddie house, I guess you're on a good team now. Like whoever we can fill in to, you know, fill in a spot. So I don't know, like if you'd agree or you think like next year, I just feel like 2011, 2012 was the year, but then Derek, you know, gets hurt. And then the other part I was thinking about, if Derek would have gotten hurt like two weeks earlier, it still would have been devastating. I think everyone would have turned down their expectations, but I think the team would have learned to play better without him compared to it just happened in the first game of the series. And now like, what do we do? Like you can't restructure your offense that fast. Yeah. Um, well, I definitely felt like the team was going to win a title in 2011 and 12. People do always forget that LeBron did not win a championship in 2011 he lost to dallas and dirk Nowitzki, and it was this very very similar team to the bulls where basically one guy demanded double teams and triple teams and a lot of great elite role players around him and i thought the bulls were really well positioned that following year 
the negatives were, you know, we had the work stoppage. So there were only 66 games. It were, it was a condensed schedule. Yeah. And right when things started out, the bulls had one guy who played in all 66 games. That was Boozer. Um, you know, I think Kyle Korver played in 65. I take that back. Omer, uh, Omer Seek played uh, all 66 too. And then Noah played 64, but um, dang missed a little bit of time. He actually hurt his uh, wrist that year and played through a torn ligament in his wrist. Um, of course he got, he got hurt in the game. They were up, I think 20 plus, but regardless, nobody wanted to ask Tibbs about that. What people forget is Rose got hurt almost immediately that season. Uh, he was in a walking boot, I think in January when the, just, you know, very early that year. Cause again, the season started late, uh, condensed schedule. And it was again, maddening to me that um, you know, he's in a walking boot one day and he's playing like 40 minutes two day, two nights later. It was consistently little nagging injuries and then him coming back and then playing excessive minutes. He was never really kind of like just brought, you know, uh, put on a minutes limit. That never happened that year. He was consistently out with a nagging. Well, he's got a, he's got a toe. He's yeah. got an ankle. There were so many little injuries in that season, and he only actually played 39 out of the 66 games. So he missed almost half that year with injuries uh, at the age of 23. And uh, I just felt like they never really gave him the time to heal. It was just always him trying to come back too early and then having a, a setback. So just a de depressing thing uh, that happened. But regardless, the team still won yeah. you know, a ton of games, and as was yeah. still number one, it was – yeah, 15, 16. There you 15, go. And yeah. 15 and 16, an incredible yeah. record and still was one of the best teams in the league. And, uh, you know, I bet you, you don't recall the five guys who actually averaged double digits for that team. Do you know, uh, if I were to guess off my head, looking at this team, it would probably be boozers. One of them, uh, boozer I, averaged 15 a game. Uh, for some reason, I think one of them's Ronnie Brewer. No, uh, close. He had well, no, not really. Six point nine. <laughs> no, not close at all. C.J. Watson had averaged nine point seven. He almost averaged ten points that year. And a good player, a really good role player off the bench. People forget about. I'll just to read it. I'll tell you who they were. It was uh um, Luol Dang at fifteen point three. Derek right. Rose at twenty one point eight. Noah at at ten point two, barely over ten. Boozer at fifteen, and Rip Hamilton at eleven point six. Believe it or not. So they had, those are the five guys that average double digits. So I don't know why I started at the back end, like trying to guess the hard one first. I'm like, all right, well, which ones are like, I didn't think just like, oh yeah, Derek Rose, the guy the podcast is about. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was a real brain surgeon move on my part. So I think, so we're both kind of in agreement that, yeah, that year, even though they're, because Tibbs as, so in my real job, uh, I'm a teacher. So as uh, sometimes when like we give a sign, I give an assignment sometimes. Uh, like sometimes someone will rush through to finish it and then they'll get a hundred percent. And then someone else finishes 20 minutes later, they also get a hundred percent. Their grade doesn't change just because you finished first. And Tibbs always reminded me of that sometimes of like someone who does that, like a kid like that, because mm -hmm. it's just like, yeah, like it's great to be the number one seed for sure, but I'd rather my team go in healthy and be the three or four seed then my team be banged up and be number one. Cause you don't get a trophy for finishing first in the, you know, in the, like the regular season. 
Cause we all remember like a few years later, those Atlanta Hawks with Kyle Korver, like where every, like there was no really major star. It's like him, Al Horford, Paul Millsap, and they get like killed in like the second, like, you know, like they, yeah, you know, no the one, ECF, they got to ECF, I think yeah. once or twice. But they, I think there were no, no one ever took them as like a serious threat. They're like, yeah, you're very good. We don't think you're going to make it like, so it's unfortunate for them. So we're both in agreement that we think they would have won 2011, 2012 if Derek stays healthy. I'm going to run you through these, like just quickly these couple of years. And you tell me if you think the bulls like, so let's, so let's also for continuity's sake from these years on, we now have Jimmy Butler, but we'll kind of follow up on him a little bit, but he's Jimmy Butler. As we know him as a rookie, you know, jumping Jimmy Butler, great defender, not really much of a shooter. So do you think the team constituted the same way with like Jimmy Butler added could have beaten the San Antonio Spurs the next year? With Jimmy Butler, um, if, if Rose was healthy? Yes. So everyone's healthy. Now we add a rookie Jimmy Butler, but like as we know him. Well, Jimmy Butler was added that year, 2011, 2012. He hardly played though, right? So he was drafted. Um, so that year I felt like he should have played significantly more. He only played – I think 300, 360 or something. It was, it was below, it was below 400 minutes that year. I don't recall off the top of my head, which I thought was absolutely ludicrous considering, um, you know, how good he was in those games he played. He had, I remember one game specifically against uh, New York where he was guarding Carmelo and I thought he did an excellent job. Jimmy Butler never really got an opportunity until Luol Deng was traded. Oh, so sorry. So, I'm, I keep on. So I'm doing the whole like NBA finals problem that you do, like where I'm talking about the 2012 season, but like, then they say it was the 2013 NBA championship. You know what I mean? Got it. Yeah. I'm, so the, so I'm making that mistake. So like the year, so we're, we're thinking, Hey, the year that it was Oklahoma city, we make it to the finals um, against them. So like we're replacing the heat. We make it in 2012. Do you think we could have beaten that Oklahoma City team with Harden and Russ and KD? No. You don't think so? No, no I don't think so. I think uh, you're saying if Rose was never hurt? Rose is never hurt. So, like, that season, like, we we take over the, the heat spot in the East. So, we, we made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals now. Um, yeah, because that was the year – because the, the league-shortened year – my, yeah, the league short year, it was Heat versus... Uh, well, I think Heat... Well, let me get this straight. You're talking about 2011-12. That was the year they played the Thunder. Yeah. Yeah, and that year, absolutely, I believe the Bulls would have won. Yeah. The subsequent year um, was the year they had to get rid... They, well, it's really hard to, to kind of gauge because they had to get rid of Corver in order to sign Heinrich because due to, to uh, Rose's injury. Assuming Rose stayed healthy, I don't think Corver would have ever been traded. Um, I think he would have remained on the team and I think they would have done a little bit more to just try to bring back good guys. If you recall, they just, they let Corver go. They signed Bellinelli. Uh, they tried to play, you know, and Bellinelli was a nice yeah, signing. He was, he was a good. poor man's. Yeah. He was basically a poor man's, you know, Kyle Corver. Um, he didn't really get an opportunity until the playoffs. They also signed, um, trying to remember some of the guys. Nate Robinson was awesome on that yeah. team. He played 82 games. He was huge. Uh, especially god that i love nate and that team i thought he was phenomenal and um, like bellinelli also reminds me of like a wish.com version of hito turkoglu it's like no we have hito Turk like hito turkoglu at home and it's like marco bellinelli like it's bellinelli yeah 
And then obviously you had Taj and, and Boozer was still on that team. Noah was on that team. Noah was starting to really take off. If you recall, Noah was incredible in that, in that series to get us to a win. Yeah. Dang kind of raised his game a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm certain they would have won it the first year. And yeah. then the second year, I don't know if they would have won it. Um, so who, who was the team then that they would have played in the following year? So the, so the following year would have been the Spurs. Yeah, they would have lost that one. And then it Pretty was sure. And then it was the Spurs again, which I think they would have had an issue with if they're like, you know, if they even were still because at that point the team is composed differently. Um, and then the Golden State comes in the question, and I don't think we would have kept up with Golden State because Golden State just scores way too much, and that's a problem. And I don't know. And that's once again a question is I don't like a healthy Derrick Rose. Could he keep up with? Like I think he athletically can keep up with. Curry for sure, but you know they would have just ran Derek through screens all day long just to get you know Curry open. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I think they would have won one title. At least I, one. I do. At least one. Maybe in year two they could have, if Derek would have been healthy. But I think they would have won in eleven, twelve. They would have beat Oklahoma City, and then after that, I mean, the Spurs would have been a tough ask. Yeah. Um, I really think that would have been a much tougher ask to beat them. They were just such a good, well-disciplined team in offense. Uh, I think they would have probably been a tough, tough out. Um, but it's not, you know, out of the realm of, you know, possibility they yeah. could have beat them. But they, uh, Golden State, no way. No, yeah, because then it goes into Golden State twice. Then, you know, you're – well, the Golden State's in the NBA Finals four years in a row, like, because we're in the East and – then it's like it would have been, I think one is, I think for sure, I think would have happened. Maybe two if, you know, you get lucky and another team gets pretty unlucky, but I'm kind of with you there. So we've answered our main part of the question. Do we think that like with Derrick Rose being healthy, do we think the Bulls would have won a championship? Absolutely. I just have a couple more sidebar questions before we send you on your way. So um one do you think jimmy butler would have became the player he was if derrick rose didn't get hurt because i personally don't i think he would have but he would have done it on a different team because you can't uh, i'll tell you my opinion and then i'll let you kind of go on that jimmy butler just has something inside of him the way he had to grow up like everything like that i think he would have determined to become the player that he was no matter what i think we got to see him on the bulls because um I think one big reason is, you know, the year that Derek didn't play, you watch his numbers jump huge, like Jimmy's scoring and all that. His confidence starts to grow. Like he goes from one year, 13 points to the next year having like 20. So he's making immense growth. And I feel like that's something inside of him that like wouldn't have changed. Um, but I think maybe it would have been a thing of like Derek's the star and Derek is a pretty ball dominant guard at, at times. And I don't know if Jimmy could have done that with Derek healthy. Yeah, the to me the really number one the most important thing for Butler's growth was the trade of Dang, and that trade of Dang would have never happened if it wasn't for Rose's second injury. When you when you go back and think about it, Rose really missed three straight playoffs. It's unbelievable to, to go back and think about it, but he only played you know the first game uh, in 2012. He you know tear, obviously tears his ACL. The following year he sits out. So he doesn't even play in 2013 playoffs, but sits out the entire year and then gets hurt. And I was at the ninth game was very early in the season, right in Portland, right on the West coast trip. So he's out again, 
three straight playoffs. It's it's unbelievable in retrospect to, to go back and think about it, but that's unprecedented. That's never happened to any team where the best player, a young great player, missed three straight playoffs. It's like unbelievable. You know, it, like uh, I, it's, it's awe-inspiring when you when you go back and think about it, but how bad the Bulls' luck was. And then, you know, he comes back in the 2014-15 season and that was a good team. You know, I thought they were going to, you know, win it or at least challenge to win it all. They probably wouldn't be golden state, but they couldn't even get by Cleveland. And I, well, I think the other thing is if Jimmy were, I think Jimmy always had that, like, you know, obviously he had it in him to get this talent. I think if him and if he would have grown, like grew, geez, as a teacher, I should know that if he grew, <laughs> if he grew with Derek, like at the same time, I don't think we would have got like what we near at the end, where it was this passive aggressive, like, Oh, whatever. It's your team. Like when they were just passing it to each other and it was just like, you could tell there was just like, it was like a little bit of that struggle. Like whose team is this? Cause Jimmy was like, you've been gone and I've kind of stepped up. I think this is my team now. And Derek Rose is like, let me remind you, I won an MVP. Like this is. So I think if they would have had a chance to grow together, you wouldn't have had that weird animosity. And maybe you do get yourself, you know, obviously they're not going to be Michael and Scotty, but you had that situation where it's two great players growing together. Yeah, it's possible. Although I think it was also a little bit unlikely. Yeah. Um, it would have been unlikely. It would have been more difficult for Jimmy to do that, take that jump if Dang was still in town. I mean, really, that was what really freed him up for major PT was him going. And there's no way Tibbs loved Dang. He was his like sleep, uh, binky, you know, he's kind of like <laughs> his uh, child's blanket. And there was no way he was in a full fledged depression when Dang was traded. Jimmy wasn't necessarily his guy until after that departure happened. So I think that was, you know, I don't think he, he I don't think he, he, I think what you said is a good point. I think he maybe would have, been, you know, achieved greatness somewhere else, but no, nah, Butler would have been a success wherever he went eventually. Yeah. I mean, he just, you know, but he just wouldn't have had as much of an opportunity if there were more miles to feed. Yeah. And I think, and that's just, I think there's some people who are just like, they're built for they're, they're, they're going to succeed no matter what you put in front of them. And then some people are going to succeed because of like the situation they're in. And then if you try yep. to, it's kind of like one of those things of, you know, with another sport, the like the bears, like if we would have drafted Patrick Mahomes, I don't think he would have been that good because Matt Nagy's an idiot. Um, yeah. I don't th- I don't know if Mitchell Trubisky would have been great in Kansas city, but like, I think sometimes some people have that pure talent, that pure will to do it. And then other people just, where did I go? And I ended up lucky. The last question I have for you before I let you go. And once again, thank you for joining me. Um, no, no problem. Is that so Derek Rose, let's imagine he stayed healthy. Probably if he stays healthy, I assume he, I assume he's still here. Like, I don't think I don't like, unless he, eventually it became like a thing where they, they just don't want to pay him anymore. Where do you think he would have fell on the all-time, like your all-time list of Bulls players if he doesn't get hurt? Because for me, like he's still on like my top 10, even with him getting hurt and leaving. But I feel like if he never got hurt, he could have made it all the way to number two. He couldn't have passed Michael Jordan unless he won seven titles. It was never going to happen. But like Never would have happened. He never would have passed Michael, but there's, yeah. I have no doubt he would have passed Scotty. In fact, I think, you know, it's possibly you can almost make the argument that he did. I mean, he won an MVP. It's un, it's unbelievable in retrospect. And he's from Chicago. He was 
arguably the biggest star since Michael Jordan in Chicago when he won that MVP. It was just an incredible story, better than anything Pippen ever did, um, you know, without Michael. Uh, so, I mean, you know, we, we actually got to an Easter conference finals with Derek Rose. We never did that without Michael and Pippen running things. So, uh, you know, I just think it would have been, he would have unequivocally been the second best ever and in a Bulls uniform. And I think you can almost make the argument, yeah, obviously Pippen's better. He won six titles overall. His career in Chicago was better, but, um, you know, Derek was just a player totally reliant or highly reliant on athleticism. And when you have an injury like that and it robbed you of that for several years, it's going to take you a while to adapt your game to still play at a high level. And he really lost a lot, you know, right around 2015, 16, when he got traded in New York, it was just, he wasn't the same player. And it's great to see him improve to the point now where he's absolutely phenomenal, probably a leader for six men of the year, potentially. So it's great to see how he's kind of redone his career, but I have no doubts overall that he would have been the second best ever. Yeah, he like he, it, like for Derek, it's like kind of like one of those pitchers who starts their career and the early beginning of their career, they're throwing like 100, 101 easy. And then when you slow down, like then you got to adapt your game. Like, OK, I can't throw it that hard anymore. I got to you know be a little more wily about what I'm doing. And he didn't really like get a chance to do that because he missed, like we said, so much time. You know, ACL, he's out then he's out the next year. Then he has the meniscus injury in Portland. And it gets traded and like he's going through some stuff and now he's adapted his game. Like he still has that athleticism, but he's definitely, you know, worked more on his shot and not relying on just getting to the hoop all the time. Um, just like, you know, I always think of like Greg Maddox, like Greg Maddox didn't have the best stuff, but he learned to work with what he had. And you're seeing mm -hmm. Derek Rose start to do that. And that's why I think that's great to see it. Cause I always liked Derek. I always felt bad for what happened to him. And that's why I wanted to do an episode about him because it's such a big what if. Like, if, like, what if he stayed healthy? Like, what could this team have done? Yeah. All right, brother. Yeah. Hey, man, I got to get, uh, unfortunately, get some uh, rest after talking about all this. I'm, I'm just, uh, I, I need to go and, and, yeah. and decompress <laughs> after a while. It just gets me so emotional just thinking about it. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to plug before you go? Oh, just, anyway? yeah, check it. Check me out on the Big Red Bus. Uh, it's on all platforms. Chicago Bullseye and the Bulls Beat. Those are the three big ones. Uh, and then obviously on Twitter, you know, search for C Red Fred. It's at CBE Fred. Um, and then, uh, you know, it, it, it's been a great time talking to you, Dave. And hopefully we can do this again sometime. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right. See you later, Fred. No problem. Have a good one, brother. You too. So I want to thank Fred that's at CBE Fred on Twitter, or if you search in C red Fred on Twitter, um, he'll pop up. Um, I want to thank him for his time. He was super generous with it. We recorded pretty late at night. Uh, I would have understood if he was like, sorry, dude, I got a bail, but he still met with me. Um, he was super nice to me. Uh, great to have a converse conversation with. He has a depth of knowledge about the current NBA like the current Bulls, if you follow, if you like follow him on Twitter, because he's a great follow, especially if you're a Bulls fan. And he's, he has a ton of knowledge about the Bulls in the past, which, you know, I've heard from, you know, just my conversation with him and listening to now some of these podcasts that he's, he's on. So definitely check him out. Um, I can't thank him enough for also on um, a small podcast. The fact that he was willing to come on here means a lot to me. Um, and I don't think I ever could probably tell him how much I appreciate it. Um, 
yeah, so I couldn't think of a better first guess for whatever Wando. But there is one more question I need to answer before we put this podcast to rest. And it's, what about Joe Kim Noah? How would he have been affected um, by Derrick Rose not getting hurt? And so Derek, uh, Joe Kim Noah was the center for the Bulls. I remember when they drafted him, I was so mad. I told my mom, if they draft this guy, because we were watching the draft together, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to yell. They drafted him in that big old dumb suit, which it's still a bad suit. Um, and I went outside and I yelled. Um, but over time, I grew to love him and his tornado jump shot. And I think the moment that really broke through for me was during the epic Bulls Celtics series that went like to multiple, like almost every game was going to like double or triple overtime. He stole the ball. He then uh, took it all the way down the court, dunked over Paul Pierce while getting fouled, and like the United Center went nuts. And it was one of like, it was a really cool moment. I'm like, okay, I like this guy. And he was a consistent player for a while. But, the, but then in 2012, 2013, and then 2013, 2014, he became an all-star for two years. But the major thing that changed was that Derrick Rose was hurt. Derrick Rose missed the entire 2012-2013 season, and then he only played 10 games of the 2013-2014 season. And during those seasons, basically they turned Joe Kim Noah into the kind of the quarterback of the offense, which is pretty interesting for a guy whose jump shot is not the best. Like it wasn't like it, it went in, but it wasn't pretty like Joe Kim Noah and Sean Marion could definitely have like an ugliest jump shot contest. But if you watch like his statistics, he goes from having, you know, like an average around two assists uh, for multiple seasons, like, in the beginning of his career, it's like one assist, one assist, two assists, two assists. Then in these two years, it's four assists, then 5.4 assists. Um, his points go up to 11.9 points and 12.6 points. Um, so even though his scoring wasn't much to look at, you know, even though 12 points in the NBA, like I would die for a career like that. He was, they were running the ball through him. And it was kind of amazing to see a player like that because, I think it's it's kind of like nowadays if we took Ben Simmons, actually Ben Simmons wishes that he could shoot like Joe Kim Noah. But he it was interesting. Like they would give the ball to Joe Kim Noah at the top of the key, and he would make decisions sometimes like a point guard. Like, all right, there's going to be a bunch of people cutting. You know, see who's open. Is it going to be a backdoor play? If not all that, then sometimes Joe Kim would take it to the hole. And it was super impressive. And I always wondered if Joe Kim would have had that peak peak of his career if d rose was healthy and derrick rose and joe kim had a very good relationship it isn't kind of like jimmy butler and d rose's relationship because when derrick rose got hurt and then he came back jimmy butler had kind of asserted himself and he's like this is my team and d rose is like wait a minute this is my team and they had that like awkward like who's the real leader here joe kim and him didn't really have that they had a really good relationship so I don't think they'd have that kind of like animosity that would hold Joe Kim back or anything like that. I just don't think they would put the offense through uh, Joe Kim like that if Derrick Rose was healthy. Derrick Rose was a pretty ball-dominant guard at his prime, so I just don't see them giving the ball up to Joe as much as they did with Derrick Rose hurt. 
I think it would have been really beneficial if they did that. Maybe those extra times away from the ball, you know, little things here or there. Maybe that takes the strain off the legs. Maybe he's a little less tired. Maybe the injury never happens if they try running it through, you know, Joe earlier. But we'll never know. But I really don't think Joe would have had those two amazing years if Derrick Rose was healthy, if I'm being completely honest. Derrick Rose just had the ball too often. So I just don't think Joe would have had the chance to succeed in that role. Once again, thank you for listening to another episode of uh, Whatever Wando. I love doing these and I hope you guys enjoy listening to them. I hope they spark a conversation with you and your friends. Um, That's really why I do these because they're things that make me want to talk about them. And join us next week as we look into the conspiracy theory behind Sonny Liston and whether or not he took a dive against Muhammad Ali. See you guys next week.